Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Alright, if you would turn your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We are not going to be in Genesis this morning. Being the day that we celebrate the resurrection, although truly that is every Sunday. (laughs) But being the day once a year in which we celebrate the resurrection, we will look at a text that deals with the resurrection. And... uh, We hear a lot of talk about the gospel. And sometimes it is a good thing for us to go back and answer the question, what is the gospel? As I was a youth pastor, um, before we moved back to Illinois, I uh, had asked the youth group uh, on more than one occasion, uh, what is the gospel? And I'd, I'd ask kids, uh, in the youth group, what is the gospel? And they would ask, they would answer me things like, "Well, um, well, it's a kind of music, you know, gospel music." Or they would answer, um, "Well, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John; those are the gospels." And that's right, that's right. That's what we call the gospels. But uh, um, what I'm getting at is, what is the gospel? And uh, as Mike and Johnny know, that's a question that I still ask today. Uh, whenever somebody comes to join uh, Redeemer Baptist Church, I want to know, do you know what the gospel is? What is the gospel? And uh, not everybody, um, not everyone uh, can have a scholar's definition of the gospel, uh, but everyone uh, that is a believer in Jesus can say, Jesus died for my sins. Yeah. Right? Jesus died for my sins. And I'm trusting in Him alone that He has saved me and redeemed me because of what He did on the cross. That's, that's enough. Um, we're going to look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 11. And in these verses, Paul gives what I think is a biblical definition of what the gospel is. And before uh, we even read our text, I'm going to go ahead and lay out what this definition is. That, um, and I've summarized it in, into a one-sentence phrase. Okay, one, A one-sentence. The gospel is the saving and keeping message of God's grace that was proclaimed by the apostles and foretold by the prophets concerning the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And as we listen to this text, I think you'll be able to pick up where I'm getting each one of these Aspects. Let me read it again. The gospel is the saving and keeping message of grace that was proclaimed by the apostles and foretold by the prophets concerning the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Let's read our text. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, 
and then he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But, the grace of, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though, I, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with, it, with, with me. Whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the gospel in which we are saved. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And Father, be with me. Give me strength and grace as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul here comes to the Corinthians. The Corinthians were troubled. You can see from the, from chapter 1, they were divided, right? Some were saying, I'm a Peter, and I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Paul, and, I, and, and some were even saying, I'm of Christ. And they were, they were just divided. They were divided. And you can see uh, they, they were putting up with someone who uh, was in their midst, a member of their church that had um, been committing sexual immorality of the kind that was not even named among the Gentiles. And Paul told them they needed to, to uh, cast this one over to Satan. And uh, they were having difficulty with the Lord's Supper too. They were they were they were not waiting on one another, and even sometimes some were even getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. I mean, this was a messed up church. And one of the primary, the, the biggest things that they were they were having trouble with is there were some here in the Corinthian church that were even denying the resurrection of Jesus. Paul goes on after the passage we looked at. And he says in verse 12, Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? There were people there in that church that were saying there's no resurrection from the dead. But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your, ba your faith is in vain. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then we have no faith. We might as well, as Paul says, Go eat and drink and be merry, for tomorrow we die. This life is all there is if there's no resurrection from the dead. But Jesus rose from the dead. Amen. Jesus rose from the dead, and just like the psalm says, because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, it is worth living in this life. We can face uncertain times because He lives. He is alive, amen? He is alive. He is risen. <coughs> so as Paul addresses this flaw in the theology of the, the uh, Corinthian church, the fact that some of them were, had doubts about even the resurrection of the body, he gives us this definition of the gospel. He says, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. Okay? His his his. Support for why the resurrection is so important is the gospel. The gospel falls apart if it's not for the resurrection of Jesus. I would remind you of the gospel 
I preach to you. Okay? So he's proclaiming it. Paul is the one who has proclaimed this gospel. It's not something that has changed. It's news. Right? The gospel means good news. The word gospel means good news. So it's news that Paul has proclaimed to them, which you have received. Okay? They... Paul proclaimed it, they received it. It was communication going from one to another. In which you stand, and by which you are being saved. So, he's proclaimed it, they received it, they stand in it. They're saved, and they're being saved, it says. If you hold fast to the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Now, let's go back and look at our definition here. The gospel is the saving and keeping message of God's grace that was proclaimed by the apostles. Okay? It was proclaimed by the apostles. Paul here is saying, I preached it to you. You received it. This is the message. That's where I'm getting that part of the definition. Then, it's, I'm saying it is the saving and keeping message. And Paul here is saying, this is the thing you stand in. And which, by which you are being saved. And he also says, unless you believed in vain. I think that's why we have this, it's keeping, the keeping message. It's, it doesn't just save us like, um, we could hear the message, we respond to it, we pray and ask Jesus into our heart, and then go off and live however we want to the rest of our lives. Paul here says it's possible to believe in vain. Right? It, it's not a real true saving faith. And so the gospel is not just what saves us, but it's what keeps us as we continue to hear the gospel, to meditate on the gospel. It is what sanctifies us. It is what, what uh, changes us. Life change happens as we have more and more appropriation of the gospel into our hearts and minds. And by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in faith. Now, verse 3. I delivered it to you. Here's more word, language about the proclaiming, right? I, I delivered it to you as of first importance. This is the most important thing. And at Redeemer Baptist Church, this is the most important thing. The gospel. This is what we want to be about. I delivered it to you as of first importance what I also received. So, Paul didn't come up with this message on his own. It's the message that was proclaimed by the apostles before Paul ever even heard it. It was the message that he received, we can think of when he received it, there on the road to Damascus. As, as Paul, he was getting ready to go and stone Christians. He was getting ready to, to take them and throw them in prison for preaching the gospel. Here, he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he hears the gospel from Jesus himself. Paul didn't make it up. It's what he received. For I delivered to you. He's passing this on. I delivered the same thing I passed on to you. And that's what the gospel is. We don't tinker with it. We don't change it. The gospel is the thing that we've received. And many times people today, they think, well, people today just can't live believe that. People today just, oh, I mean... People today, well, maybe people always have been this way. They think, how can somebody dying on a cross have anything to do with me? How can so 
some, something that happened to a, a man on a cross 2,000 years ago affect me. That, that's what skeptics might think. Or the cross is so bloody. It's, uh, it's something that it, it almost sounds like what God punishing his son for something we did. That's like child abuse. That's what some people would look at the gospel like. No. We ought to have nothing to do with such speculations. Instead, the gospel is what we have received from the apostles in Scripture. The gospel is what we've received, and we are to pass that on faithfully. What Paul received, there he passes on to his this church here. I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, and this is the message of his content. This is the content of his message. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. That He appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. Then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. I'll stop right there for a moment. So the content of Paul's preaching, the thing that he had received and the things that he had passed on to the Corinthian church are that Christ died for our sins. I'll look at that again. At the end of verse 3, um, Christ died for our sins. His death was substitutionary. He died for our sins. Like in the Old Testament, when they had the sacrificial system, when, when the lamb would be slaughtered as a sacrifice to cover the sins of the people. Christ was that lamb. Christ died for our sins. He took our place. He paid our debt. We deserved eternal wrath and punishment from God. And He took our sin in our place. He died for our sins. That's what that means whenever He says He died for our sins. He substituted Himself for us. That's good news. We could never bear the wrath and punishment of God. But He took our sin for us. That's good news. That He died, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Jesus did not stay dead. That's why we're here today. Not just on Easter Sunday, but every Sunday. That's why we're believers. Because He rose from the dead. If He had just died and stayed in the grave, no one would remember Jesus. But he died and he rose again. Here it tells us he died and he was buried. Why is it important that he was buried? I think that shows us it proves he was really dead. You don't bury somebody that's still alive. That's why it's important. It wasn't just some like the liberal thought of the swoon theory that, that Jesus would have, would have just passed out and, and that uh, they put him in the grave. And No, you don't bury somebody who faints. He was dead. And they buried him, and they uh, and you can visit his tomb today, and it's empty. Well, we don't know where it is, but if we did, you could visit it, and and it'd be empty. He was buried, and he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. Now, something that was repeated here that's so 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 important. It says, according to the scriptures, according to the scriptures. 
He died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. He raised, was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. When I Part of this definition that I, I, I said in the beginning, the Gospel is the saving and keeping message of grace that was proclaimed by the apostles and foretold by the prophets. Ah, foretold by the prophets. It was proclaimed by the apostles. It's a message we don't tinker with. And it was foretold by the prophets. That's what Mike was reading from in uh, Isaiah 53. Like a lamb that was led to slaughter. By his stripes we're healed. I don't have the whole passage memorized or I'd try to quote it off for you. And Mike already read it. We hear that. We hear things like Psalm 22 that sounds like a description of Jesus on the cross. It's the one where David, as the psalmist, cries out, My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? He talk, talks about um, um, people who were uh, casting lots for his garments. And he talks about being able to count all of his bones because he's so thin and emaciated because of the abuse that he's taken. I mean... Uh, throughout the Old Testament prophets, we see this picture of a Messiah that's going to come and He's going to die for His people. And we also see, I think even in Isaiah 53, a resurrection. Towards the end of Isaiah 53, it says, And He shall see His offspring. Right? He shall see His offspring. If He's giving His life, dying for us in our place, in Isaiah 53, towards the end of it, it says that he shall see his offspring. He's not going to stay in the grave. He's going to raise again because he's going to see the results of what his death took, did. He would raise from the dead and he would see his offspring. Now, offspring, we know, is a very important word in the Old Testament. God promised that there would be a seed of the woman who would crush the serpent's head. God promised that there would be a seed of Abram that would that uh, would bless all nations. God promised that there would be a seed of David that would one day be king and have a kingdom that would never end. And here, when, when Isaiah 53 says, He shall see his offspring, I'm thinking that's, that's talking about not only the seed Jesus, but the many, the seed of all who have faith in Jesus. We are Abraham's seed. Because of what Jesus has done. When we have faith in Christ, we now become Abraham's seed. And so he rose from the dead and he shall see his offspring. He sees the fruit of what he accomplished in his resurrection, in his death and resurrection. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And he appeared to Cephas. And then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, and then fallen, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. Then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So, why is he going about listing off all these people that Jesus appeared to after the resurrection? Because it's true! <laughs> And, and Jesus didn't just mystically, spiritually raise from the dead and, 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 and his disciples just, uh, you know, uh, proclaim something that they never really witnessed with their eyes. No. They really saw him. Thomas stuck his hand in his side and in his fingers, uh, in his hands. Um, 
They saw the risen Jesus. And, and here it says, He appeared to Cephas. That would be Peter. Then to the twelve. He appeared to all of the twelve. Now, here it doesn't mention Thomas, but Thomas wasn't there the first time. I think he's gener just generalizing. He's saying he appeared to all the disciples. He appeared to Thomas later on. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. This is not something done in a corner. This is not something that's secret and hidden. This is out in the open. 500 people at one time saw. And, and here Paul says, and most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Now, we have to remember the context of this. Paul is talking to a particular church at a particular time. It would be wrong for us to read this and think, well, there's still people alive today that, that saw Jesus rise from the dead. No, that's not what this is saying. What this is saying is, at the time that he was writing it, those Corinthians that he was writing to, if they had any doubts... They can go and find one of these people and say, hey, did you see Jesus raised from the dead? Yes, I saw Jesus raised from the dead. It was amazing. <laughs> then he appeared to James. That would probably be James, his brother, the one uh, that became a leader in the Jerusalem church. Then to all the apostles. And last of all, as the one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Here, Paul gives his own testimony. He is writing as one who had seen the resurrected Jesus. On that road to Damascus, just like I told about before, on that road to Damascus, he was on his way to go persecute Christians and he hears, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul, which we now know him as, Paul, um, he was changed when he met Jesus. He went from someone who persecuted Christians to someone who believed and became the... He wrote half the New Testament. I mean, you can't... He was the greatest missionary the church has ever seen. But he considers himself the least of all the apostles. Unworthy to be called an apostle because he persecuted the church of God. This, I think, reminds us grace. The gospel is the saving and keeping message of grace that was proclaimed by the apostles and foretold by the prophets concerning the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's grace. Paul here I'm an apostle, but I don't deserve to be. I'm the least of all the apostles. I, I used to persecute Christians. I persecuted the church of God, Paul says here. The message is about grace. This message, Jesus. why did Jesus die? He died for our sins. That's grace. He, we deserve the punishment and the wrath of God eternally. We deserve to be thrown into hell and, and experience eternal conscious torment forever. And Jesus took our punishment for us. That is grace. He took a truck that was bound for us. 
We, we, and worse than that, you know, it's like we were, we had a, a semi truck barreling down the road at us, and he pushes us out of the way and took the truck himself. That's a bad analogy, but still, it's grace. We didn't deserve that, and he did it for us. Paul didn't deserve it. He admits it. He didn't deserve it. He says, "But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace towards me was not in vain." On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with, with, with me. Paul credits everything to grace. He credits everything to grace. He says, my, the grace that he gave me, it wasn't in vain. It changed me. If grace is not in vain, Paul had said before, uh, you know... Uh, by which you stand, so long as you continue in it, you know, you, uh, unless you believed in vain, those who believe in vain, they're going to fall away because they never had really true faith in the first place. But Paul here says, I know that I didn't believe in vain because I've been changed. His, his, his grace was not in vain for me because I worked harder than any of them. Even though he was a persecutor of the church, he can say, God's, Jesus' grace was not in vain for me. I changed. I worked harder than any of them. And then he goes back and he reminds us that it's all grace. I, all my works, even in preaching the gospel, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's just it's God's grace. I wouldn't do this if it wasn't for God's grace. By the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was they, I or they, so we preached and so you believed. Whether it be the rest of the apostles, or whether it was Paul that preached to them, so we preach, that's the proclamation, and so you believed. The gospel is the saving and keeping message that was proclaimed by the apostles and foretold by the prophets concerning the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Basically, it comes down to this. God had a plan that he would send his son to die for us. He predicted that through the prophets, and he accomplished it. Jesus came, he died, he, he lived a sinless life, he was totally innocent. He died for our sins, taking the punishment that we deserve, and, and God rose him from the dead. And if we have faith in Jesus, we will raise with him one day. We have forgiveness of sin. We have adoption as sons and daughters in Christ. We have a resurrection that we have to look forward to ourselves. Just as Jesus rose from the dead, which was the first fruits, as 1 Corinthians 14, 15 later says, it was the first fruits of the resurrection. Just as He rose from the dead, we will raise also. When we stand around a grave at a funeral that's a believer, we can know when we lay this person down into the ground, we're not laying them there forever. That one day... That cemetery is going to have a bunch of bodies coming out in an eight, uh, zombie apocalypse. <laughs> it's when Jesus comes again and those, those caskets are flipped open and, and, and we come out and we're changed. 
We're not like zombies walking around with with uh, uh, flesh falling off and all that kind of stuff. But no, we will be in our resurrected and glorified bodies like Jesus had when He rose from the dead. We will no longer have any pain. We will no longer have any sickness. We will no longer have any disease. But we will be made right the way we should have been if we had never sinned. And even better, because we'll never be able to sin. Amen? That's the gospel. That is the gospel. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. Believe that, and it will change you. Believe that, and it won't be in vain. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com, or you can like us on Facebook.